I'm going to talk to you about a subject this morning that everybody goes through, everybody hates. We all wonder, what do we do to deserve this? Why me? How come me? Nobody goes through this. But I'm here to tell you, every soul on earth goes through what I'm about to tell you. Not just once, not just twice, but all through the course of life. And it's one of life's most unpleasant experiences. The subject is rejection. Being uh, denied, rejected, passed over, divorced, uh, broken up with, uh, not hired, let go. That moment in life where everything seems to be working, and all of a sudden, somebody outside of our circle of influence puts this stuff on us that says, you're not valuable, you're not wanted, you're not needed, uh, you're not a part of the group, you're not a part of the team. And it is one of the most devastating experiences in life, especially if you're a child, it's devastating to you. But I will tell you who it's even more devastating to than the child. It's the parents of children. Those of us that have got grown kids, uh, you remember the first time your son or daughter didn't get invited to the party or the sleepover or the camping trip or whatever. And it just, you hurt. And, uh, you know, we had one of my kids and we came home one afternoon and he was sitting outside on the curb. And what happened? Well, so-and-so and the other boys are going to do something and they didn't invite him. And that just, oh, I just want to go get those boys and slap them around a little bit. Or, it just, well, not that. Take that off. I would never physically abuse but it just made me so mad because why my son's a good son you know he's a nice guy he's good with everybody and I said well let's go to the store and buy you whatever you want in the sporting goods he said really I said yeah I think we got him a Nintendo or something whatever it was I made it worth his while after the rejection I said look I just want you to know the rejection doesn't last forever it sucks when you're going through it but you will get through it now those of you in person and those of you online I want you to go back in your life right now and just have that wonderful trip down memory lane think about one of your worst rejection moments thinking about it how many of it happened in elementary school raise your hand nobody just me me okay two of us how many of us did it happen to in middle school? Well, uh, that's me again. How many of us happened to it in high school? That's me again. College? 20s? 30s? 40s? 50s? I'm losing them because I'm losing the age. 60s. Yeah, I can go for the 60s too. Yeah, it's, it's a part of the life experience. So when you go through it, look, especially teenage boys, number one cause of teenage boy suicide, breaking up with a girlfriend. If you're a girl and you break up with a guy, realize this is serious stuff and you better do it right. If you're a guy and you get broken up with, I am living proof that you will survive again and again and again and again until finally the right one comes along and it's love evermore. But until then, I mean, it sucks. First date I ever had, one that wanted to have was with a girl, and she's not watching, Susan. And I invited her out for a date, and uh, she was busy that weekend. Oh, okay. And then a, a couple of weeks later, I invited her out for another date, and she was busy that weekend. And I'm stupid enough to call a third time. Now, I called her like a week later. Hey, S you know, Susan, you want to go out this weekend? And I heard this phone muffled. I think we're going out of town this weekend to Austin or someplace. You know, by that time, she was the sweetest girl. Still, you know, if I saw her, we'd be friends. But it's just that, golly, it just burns and sucks and hurts and it's painful. Jesus Christ went through rejection like nobody else. He was crucified. So everybody goes, well, yeah, he was crucified. No, long before the crucifixion, he went through rejection just like you and I do 
And he went through it not once, not twice, but routinely through his life. And a few of the biggest rejection chapters, two of them, are John chapter 6 and then uh, John chapter 7. Now, let me lay the picture in John chapter 6. Jesus has been preaching and teaching, doing miracle signs and wonders, feeding people fish sandwiches to thousands, bringing people. He's been doing his ministry, and he is a celebrity. I mean, thousands of people show up to hear him wherever he goes. They're flocking from everywhere. He's had it about up to here with people because they're just showing up because he gives them free food or it's a show. Let's see a miracle or a sign or a wonder. And so in John chapter six, he lays out this really heavy line on them. First of all, he says, I'm the bread of life. I've come down from heaven. And then he says, if you really want to be a follower of God, you have to eat my flesh and drink my blood. Now, imagine if I, as your pastor or teaching pastor now at the Grove, if I said today, if you're going to be a Christian, you have to eat my flesh and drink my blood. You would probably chuckle for a moment. And then if I said it again, no, really, if you're going to follow me, you have to eat my flesh and drink my blood. And there was no laughter. You'd begin to get up and walk out and say, man, old Robert's lost it. He's, he's out of his mind. That's, that's cannibalism. Well, that's what they thought 2,000 years ago. But Jesus didn't explain it. And his disciples says, Lord, you know, they're not getting it. Say something. And that's when he said it again. And here we find a verse. Not yet, Ryan, not yet. Here we find a verse that I have never seen in a pastor's office. I've never seen it on a church wall. I've never seen it embroidered on a pillow. I've never seen anybody putting it on a bracelet or something like that or tattooing this one on their chest. But it is a picture of our Lord and his rejections. Now, with that in mind, it's fitting that it's John 6, verse 66, 666. You get that? Maybe it's the Lord's sense of humor. Here's what it says. At this point, many of his disciples turned away and deserted him. This is Jesus, son of God, miracle worker, master teacher, argues against those. And he says something, but he doesn't explain it because he wants to see in his crowd, how many of you are going to really trust me by faith and stick with me? And they didn't. Crowds get up and they begin to leave. And it, I can tell you, the, the people that get there, the biggest attacks and rejections are public figure people or people that do things for the public's good or benefit. Teachers. Teachers get emailed and, and ripped to pieces because they're trying to do a good job for the students and the parents think, my little angel will do this. So teachers get it. Coaches get it. Singers get it. Actors get it. Preachers get it. Anybody who does what they do with all their heart for the benefit of the masses, you just have to brace yourself because you're going to get it. I would hate to be an actor in New York where you've been working on your lines and perfecting everything. It's opening night. The curtain's open. The place is packed and you give it your very best. And the next morning, some person called a critic who gets paid writes the most scathing review of your performance. That is rejection to the max. It hurts. It hurts preachers when we get the emails. I used to get them. Every pastor does. And I always tell pastors, look, don't answer them. They don't like you already. The more you say, the more they're going to dislike you. You know, their one-page email is going to be three pages when you respond. And then five, you're not going to win it. But every pastor feels obligated, at least for a season, to say, try to answer it all. I, my, one of my best assistants was Vicki Dora. She was awesome. And she, she was just awesome. And when these ugly emails would come in, people didn't like what I said or the way I said it or something like that. And you get blasted for anything. And she said, what do you want me to do with this? I said, you have my permission to say, I'm sorry to, dear so-and-so, I'm sorry to have offended you. That was not my intention. Please forgive me, your friend, Robert Emmett. 
She said, you don't want to read it? I said, absolutely not. Why do I want to ruin my day? They're mad. You know, they're already rejecting me. So just thanks for your opinion. You know, we'll have to agree to disagree. Your friend, Robert. And I said, you, you can pick any of the five that are fitting. Because eventually, you will. if Satan knows he can trip you up with rejection, I promise you, it'll come over and over and over again. If you know that Satan, if you do what Jesus did, then you'll find you'll stand against it. So he gets rejected there. He's in uh, up there in, in Capernaum doing this, and he goes back home on the way back to Jerusalem. And here's the next rejection. This one's a hit. This one would really sting if it was me. Chapter seven, verse one. Uh, Jesus traveled around Galilee. He went to stay. Out, he wanted to stay out of Judea, where the Jewish leaders were plotting his death. Repeat after me. He wanted to stay out of Judea where the Jewish leaders were plotting his death. Now, it was common knowledge that the Jewish leaders hated Jesus and were plotting some way to kill him, okay? Verse 2, but soon it was time for the Jewish festival of shelters, and Jesus' brothers, if you don't know it, Jesus had four little brothers, James, Jude, Joseph, one other never can remember the fourth one. But he had four little brothers and at least two little sisters. So Jesus, if you don't know, he was the oldest of at least seven kids, Jesus, four brothers, and uh, two sisters. So here's what his brothers say. His brothers said um, to Jesus, leave here and go to Judea, where your followers can see your miracles. Remember verse 1? He wanted to stay out of Judea where they were trying to. He goes home to his brothers, and they say, why don't you go to Judea, where they are trying to. So they said, why don't you go there? Nobody can hide out here. You can't be famous if you hide like this. If you do such wonderful things, show yourself to the world. For even his brothers didn't believe in him. How would you like to be the son of God, perfect in every way, grow up that way, you know, do everything right, be nice to your little brothers and sisters. You do everything right and you grow up and your older brothers, your younger brothers want you to go where they know there is a death threat on your life. I mean, I know in this crowd and those of you online, there's got to be some sibling rivalries that we would love to hear the tales of. But I'm almost certain there is no sibling rivalry where your brother or your sister wanted you to go someplace where they knew you were going to die. And yet that's what Jesus is dealing with. A few days before, the whole crowd disappears, the dust kicks up, and he looks at his disciples. And this is where you know he's rejected because he looks at his 12 and he says, are you going to leave me also? And that's when Peter makes his bold claim, well, where shall we go, Lord? You have the words of life. Then it goes to his brothers and brothers say, you know, why don't you go down there and be killed? So Jesus did not go with his brothers. He would go later. How did Jesus handle these personal rejection moments? First of all, he knew who he was. Let me hear you say, know who you are. Now, back in John chapter 6, uh, verse 35, it says, Jesus replied, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. About 150 times in the gospel of John, Jesus says, I am. I am the bread of life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the gate. Uh, I am the good shepherd. I am, I am, I am, I am. He knows who he is. Go back in the Old Testament, Exodus, when Moses stands before the burning bush, and I believe it was Jesus he was talking to, because when Moses keeps making excuse after excuse why he can't go, then finally, you know, the snake and all of the things, and then finally he's going. And Moses says, I don't even know who to tell him who's sent me. I don't know your name. And the voice said, I am. Tell them I am sent you. I don't think it's an accident that the voice of the bush in the Old Testament says, tell them I am sent you. And then in the New Testament, over and over and over, Jesus says, I am. 
you got to know who you are when the rejections roll in. Because if you don't, that knife in the back, that rejection, that letter, that email, that text, that whatever they do to destroy your life right now, and it will it'll can be brutal. If you don't know who you are, you go spinning and reeling out of control because you start thinking, I guess I am what they say. First, there's the initial shock of, man, that hurt, and you get mad at them, and then there's a depression that comes in. Maybe I'm not likable. Maybe I'm not good. Maybe I'm not successful. Maybe I do have issues. No, stop it. You are fearfully and wonderfully made in Jesus' name. The Bible says God knew you before you were born. He knit you together. He made you who you are. You are the absolute best you that is on the earth right now. Repeat after me. I am the absolute best me on the earth right now. And let's say this after me. There was never a better one before me. There'll never be a better one after me. I am who I am. Look at you. You're just like Jesus. You got to know who you are. I'm Robert Emmett. I've had people reject me all through the stages of life, school, sports, dating, church, all that stuff, ugly emails, ugly texts, slanders, all of that stuff. And it never feels good. You never just laugh it off. And anybody that says, oh, it's all right, either they're not reading it or they've lost their feeling. It hurts. When you're the son of God and you know all things and you know they're going to leave and they see them walking away, it's still that sting there. But you got to know who you are. I'm Robert Emmett. I'm a Christian. I'm a husband to Julie. I'm a father to three children, a grandfather to seven. I'm a pastor. I'm a teacher. I'm a volunteer. In addition to that, I like hunting and fishing and playing golf. But I know who I am. If somebody says you're no good at this or no good at that, how can you say it? Wait a second. I'm not who they say I am. I am who God says I am. God says I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. So when the attraction hits, boom, you get your little notebook out and you say, Lord, this stings. I know you went through some bad stuff. I cannot imagine what it would be to see 5,000 people walking away from you murmuring about what you had just said. But you got through it by knowing who you were. So, Lord, help me get through it by remembering who you have made me to be on this earth. Amen. When your son or daughter goes through it, you sit them down, and I don't care if it's a breakup with a girlfriend or a boyfriend or didn't make the team, whatever it is, you hurt with them, you say, man, it hurts. You tell them one or two of your experiences, and you say, but you will get through it. Jesus got through it. Robert got through it, and we go on with life. You got to know who you are. You got to know what you do. The Bible says that uh, Jesus said, when he told his brothers, he said, you guys go on. He said, my time has not yet come. And then he goes a little bit later. And what does he do? Same thing he did a few days earlier. He preached the message of God. He said, I am the way, the truth, and life. He said, anybody that comes to me will never be hungry again or thirsty again. I am the son of God. This is the work I do. If they accept it or if they don't, the father will draw all those to me. You and I have to know what we do on this earth. What is our purpose? If you're an adult, you probably figure that out. If you're a teenager or children watching, then you're probably figuring it out. So how do I know? You try everything. You try everything. You try this, you try that, you try that, you try that. You look for successes, you look for confirmations. And like everybody, you're trying and trying. You find your spot, your place, your people, all of that. And you go, oh, and then you get to march forward. But I promise you, the rejection will still come sooner or later. Someday you're working, the boss calls you in at 4.30 on Friday afternoon. And we all know nobody gets promoted on Friday afternoon at 4.30. 
We all get demoted or fired or let go. We're making a change. Sooner or later, that wave is going to hit. It's going to hurt. You're going to get upset. Ex you know, exhale, vent it a little bit, and then say, you know what? Jesus went through it. Robert went through it. Everybody in this room, online, everybody on earth grows through it. This is my time. So how do I handle it? I know who I am. I know what I do, and I will keep doing what it is that I do. And then the third thing Jesus taught is that you keep doing it until he calls you home. Over and over, he gives us these parables about blessed is the servant who was busy doing what they were called to do until the, when the master comes home. You got to find out who it is you are, what it is God has put you on this earth to do, and you keep doing it until the Lord says you're done, come home, or the trumpet sounds and he comes back. Uh, I've preached this a bunch and, you know, I've always, people give me a hard time because I always say, don't retire. I say you transition, but they say, well, you retire. I think I've retired four times now in the last five years. So I'm getting pretty good at the retiring thing, but I'm still preaching. I'm still teaching. I'm still traveling. I'll still do whatever door the Lord opens up. That's what I do. I'm not going to sit back and just say, that's it. I'm all done. That's we're not wired that way. When you get rejected and they don't like you, you don't just stop because somebody said no. When you get fired, you don't say, I'm worthless. You just go find another place. When you don't make a team, you try again on the next year, the next year. Watch some of those videos of people that didn't get accepted, and yet it made them mad, and they used that rejection to fire them up. Michael Jordan, Tom Brady, Wayne Gretzky, to name a few. There's a bunch of them out there. There's a lot of people that are so good, they just kind of glide through. And finally, when their rejection hits, they are devastated, poor souls, because they didn't get to go through it like the rest of us did. They were always nice, handsome, smart, athletic, whatever. And so when it finally happens, and it does, boom, they just fall apart. That's when we come along and say, hey, listen, I know this is your first real rejection. Lucky you. But some of us have been going through it since we were preschoolers. And it's just a part of the journey. You will get over it. You'll hurt. You'll ache. You'll cry. You'll stay up. You'll write. You'll read verses. But then you go through it. Some of the greatest Psalms I ever read in my rejection moments were the ones where David was really mad. You ever read those? where he's calling on God to crush his enemies, to destroy them like, you know, chaff and blow them in the wind, destroy them all. And I'm reading those when I'm, when I'm happy and things are good. I said, man, he, David, he had some real issues. But when I'm hurting and I, I, you jump in and he goes, oh, Lord, thank you for putting that one in there. I feel exactly like that. I'm not going to pray it because I know I'm supposed to love my enemies, New Testament, but I sure love parts of the Old Testament. Crush them, destroy them. You know, it's fun to get it out, but it's not going to happen. Know who you are, know what you're supposed to do, and you keep doing it until the Lord calls you home. When your children are going through that, who are you? What it is, what are you really good at? Now, get, get away from the haters and all of that. What is her, the great prophetess, uh, Taylor Swift? Haters going to hate, 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 hate. Remember that? You just got to shake, 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 shake it off. Woo, shake it off. Woo. All right, together. Haters going to hate, 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 hate. Players going to play, 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 play. You just got to shake, 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 shake. Shake it off. Shake it off. Good gracious. Y'all are worse on rhythm than I am. You just got to shake it off. Shake it off. There you go. Now you're getting the hang of it. But long before Taylor did that, and by the way, Taylor Swift's another one of those. Watch her documentary, the, I guess the most recent one. I mean, we've watched her since she was a teenager, making it and all of that. And you think, gosh, she's a nice girl. She sings nice songs. She does a great concert. And yes, she went through a season of haters 
And she said, it's really depressing to know when you're out there that there's 50,000 people that really honestly hate you, your songs, what you represent and all that. She said, it just, she said, just kind of hide and think, are, are they one of the haters? But again, she's Taylor Swift. She's a singer and she's going to continue doing what she's called to do. You do the same thing. Who are you? What are you called to do? And you shake it off and you keep doing the same thing. Are you getting this message? Yes or no? If you're going through rejection, then God sent you here today to hear this. If you're not going through it, then you probably know somebody that is, and you could say, hey, look, let me give you the short version. <laughs> Read Lindley's version of this on Monday morning. She takes my 20-minute message and summarizes it in three or four nice little slides, but it's the point. But here's what I want you to remember, and this will probably be the most impactful part of this entire message. If you're ready for it, say, we're ready. Okay. You're running on the trails out there in the beautiful mountains of Colorado or the deserts of wherever, but you're, you've gotten into jogging. You've got you some really nice $150 Hoka running shoes because that's just what you wear when you're a serious runner. You're enjoying the moment of the day. It's all perfect. You've you're got your stride, and all of a sudden that rock path feels like mud. And you look down, and somebody who had a St. Bernard was on for a walk. Their dog did their business and laid a big old pile of dog poop on the trail, but they didn't, you know, it was, they didn't bother to clean it up. And so you're jogging along, and you look down, and there's this dog poop wrapped up over your beautiful $150 Hoka shoe. How do you feel this moment? What are you thinking about the owner? What are you thinking about the dog? And you're looking at your shoe, and what do you do? I mean, if you've got a really great pair of shoes on, think of that dog poop as your rejection moment. I mean, it wasn't meant for you, but you stepped right in, and pfft, there it goes. Don't you immediately take both of those Hoka shoes off, throw them to the side, and continue barefooting? Why not? Oh, it's 150 bucks. All right, let's say they were Nikes. $89. <laughs> let's, let's leave it with the Hoka, because you're the Hoka shoe. You're that, that marvelous and creative person, but by God's design, by the world experience, you got a pile of dog poop curling up over the sides of your beautiful $150 Hoka. You can see it. You can smell it. You're thinking thoughts. What do you do next? Everybody does the same thing. You get mad. Oh, man, who would let their dog do that? And then you start wiping the stuff off. And then you find some grass and you go sideways and then sideways and then you tap it on the gravel and you just you know, look at it and you're still there and you're still doing that. But you keep the shoe, don't you? You don't give it up. You don't say, well, that's, that's it. You know, dog poop on the hoka, throw them away. No, dog poop on the hoka, clean it up and then keep on running. Now you're going to have those dog poop, what I call manure moments in your life. And the poop is going to be somebody in your life that says, you're no good, you're not worthy, whatever it is. I want a divorce, I'm leaving you, I like your boy or friends better than I like you, whatever it is. I don't know, they're going to come. And when it happens, you do what we all do. Same thing Jesus did. Oh man, I can't believe this happened. Why? I was just running on the trail. There it is. And you shake it off, you get frustrated, you clean it off, and you keep on running. And you discover as you run by the time you're finished, because you're running an extra two or three miles now, because you, you get done, and you look at the shoe at the end while you're getting in your car, and what do you see? Nothing. The dog poop is gone. You've wiped it off, you've run it off, it's gone. And you continue with life. When the moments hit and the rejection hits, you wipe it off. You say, Lord, I didn't deserve that. I didn't see it coming. It's not my fault. And you get mad. But Lord, I am who I am in Christ.
I am doing what you put me on this earth to do. And I will continue to do it, Lord, until you call me home. And if people like it, great. Welcome to the party. And if people hate it, great. Sorry you didn't like it. But they walked out on Jesus, and I'm certainly not him. So the moments are going to happen to me as well. you got to go forward. Don't quit. Don't give up. Don't quit being who you are. Don't quit doing what you do. You keep on doing because you live for Jesus Christ. Rejection hurts. But Jesus teaches us how to get through it over and over and over again. Follow his example. When it hurts, you cry, you ache, you get mad, but then you get going with the life that God has given you to do.